0: tonight, I want to tell you a story from Scripture, the story, the unfolding story of the Holy Spirit and the life of Jesus Christ. It's one of my most favorite themes in all of Scripture. A story revealed in the New Testament, anticipated in the Old Testament. I came to see it and love it with the help of one of my professors, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson. Some 30 years ago, I, I, I remember sitting in the classroom and I would have paid the tuition just to hear him pray in that Scottish accent. The book of Isaiah, uh, just uh, just a wonderful memory. I know that so many of you have appreciated his ministry as well. Uh, Dr. Ferguson came to see and love this story from his mentor from afar, the great English Puritan theologian, John Owen. And so I confess that I was a bit jealous uh, this week when my son Nathan uh, called and said, Dad, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson is preaching at my church this Sunday in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, so, it was fun to call him this afternoon and uh, just hear the things that he learned. I wish that, uh, that Dr. Ferguson were here to unpack the story for you, but I'm going to do my best to just share some insights that uh, he's helped me see, this story of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. I'm going to begin uh, somewhat unusually. I We'll typically take a passage and unpack that passage, but this evening I'm going to start with an anchor passage, and then I'm going to use a host of other passages to unpack and support the basic passage from John chapter 14. Jesus is addressing His disciples, the upper room farewell discourse. He is announcing that He will be departing soon. And you might think that that would be to their disadvantage, but Jesus presses home the point that actually it is to your advantage that I go and be with the Father. And He unpacks the ministry of the Holy Spirit throughout those chapters. And He says in chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you." So Jesus comes to tell His disciples that He has come, as it were, as a helper from the Father an advocate, witness from the Father, but now He's departing, leaving them, but the Father, He says, will give them another Helper of the same kind as Jesus. That is to say, the person of the Spirit will be distinct, but the ministry of the Spirit will stand in continuity with the ministry of Jesus. And what makes the coming of the Spirit so wonderful is that the Spirit was the most wonderful companion of Jesus. And so what the Spirit was present to do in Jesus, the Spirit is now present to do in you. Sometimes we tend to to skip the most important step. We think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. But if you want to understand the significance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, you first need to look away from yourself and look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. As the Spirit was for Jesus, so the Spirit is now for you. The most wonderful companion. But first things first, Let's trace the story of the Spirit and the life of Jesus so that we can begin to understand His significance for us. From Mary's womb through Joseph's tomb to David's throne, we can trace seven episodes. And I'm going to highlight them very briefly. The first episode the Spirit's presence at the birth of Jesus. You remember the angel Gabriel sent to a young girl named Mary, "'Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you.'" And she's troubled, right, by those words. "'Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call Him Jesus.'" He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give Him the throne of His father David and He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God." Notice the two Old Testament expressions come upon you. That secret sovereign work, the Spirit coming upon the person, clothing Himself with the person, using the person for His purposes, He comes upon the person. But secondly, the Spirit will overshadow you. As the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters at creation, as the Holy Spirit hovered over the people of God as they made their way through the wilderness, as the Holy Spirit hovered over the temple. So. The Spirit right here signals that in Jesus is coming a new creation, a new exodus, a new temple. Two consequences we are taught. Jesus, as we confessed earlier, was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The result being He was truly man. His human nature was not created from nothing, but was inherited from Mary, He really did share in our humanity. Secondly, Jesus was sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit, the result being Jesus was truly holy. Although He shared in our humanity, He did not share in our sinful humanity. Because Jesus did not share in our sin and guilt, He was able to bear our sin and guilt. For the first time since Adam I, the humanity and true holiness come together in one and the same person. Now notice, the Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry in you. A second episode, the Spirit's presence in the growth of Jesus. The New Testament does not say a lot about the growth of Jesus from childhood to adolescence to adulthood but there is a pretty significant passage, a window into his early life in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Jesus is age 12. He's left behind by his parents. He's at the temple. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Luke tells us, And this episode is bracketed by two statements that highlight Jesus' growth in grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 40, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What's happening here? It's the fulfillment of of Old Testament themes. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 11, God speaks through His servant saying, "'There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord.'" shall rest upon Him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. But how did Jesus grow? Isaiah chapter 50 gives us a window in the second servant song. It says, the Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the Word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. It's It's the prophet standing on tiptoe, looking down the corridors of time, anticipating the Messiah. This is Jesus, the One with the well-instructed tongue, who morning by morning meets with His Father and opens the Scriptures and meditates on what the Father says. Jesus grew in wisdom. Dr. Ferguson says he was taught the wisdom of God from the Word of God by the Spirit of God. Not unnaturally, but very naturally in keeping with his faculties as a man. Not instantaneously, but progressively in keeping with his development as a human being. Not like a lightning bolt from heaven, but from personal communion With his Father, the Spirit of God working with the Word of God to grow Jesus up in the wisdom of God. Take note, because the Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry in you. Third episode. The Spirit's presence at the baptism of Jesus. Luke chapter 3. And as he was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. It's a new stage. Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. And so He stands in need of power, of assurance. And here, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in bodily form like a dove. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit. The Spirit comes to equip Jesus to bring the new creation. He's the new Noah who brings rest as far as the curse is found. He's anointed as the final prophet who will reveal the will of God. He's anointed as the final priest to offer Himself as a sacrifice to God. He's anointed as the final king to shepherd the people of God. Anointed by the Spirit. But not only that, a voice came from heaven Notice, the Word of God interprets the sign given by God. Jesus was assured of his sonship by the Spirit. He's about to go into battle, he's about to face frowns of every kind. People are going to call him names. But the Father assures him, and the Spirit works to assure him, you are my beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Do you think you could go into battle if you knew that you were His beloved? The Spirit working at the baptism of Jesus to strengthen the Son, for ministry. Take note of this because the Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry in your life, Christian. Fourth episode. The story unfolds. The Spirit's presence in the battle of Jesus. Luke 4. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. Luke's verb, Jesus was led by the Spirit, is a bit mild and modest. Mark's verb of the same scene uses a much more vigorous word. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness. He's the divine warrior who's going into battle for you. He's going into enemy-occupied territory. He's going to advance the kingdom to defeat the powers. He's going to kill the dragon to save the girl. The Spirit is revealed as the military strategist who maps the way of attack. The Spirit is revealed as the five-star general who directs Jesus to the most strategic point of conflict. It's an epical event. Adam II comes to rewind and undo and turn upside down and inside out. The damage that Adam the first has brought into the world. The first Adam was tested and failed. The second Adam was tested and won the holy war all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside, says Luke chapter 4. Verse 14, are you taking note? The Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry in you. Fifth episode, in the unfolding story of the Spirit in the life of Jesus, the Spirit's presence in the ministry of Jesus. One of my favorite passages, Luke chapter 4. Jesus comes to Nazareth as was His custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. And He reads in what in our Bible is Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant. And all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus. And He began to say to them, today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit comes to equip the ministry of Jesus. The background is that year of Jubilee that year of liberation and restoration that was supposed to take place every 50th year where the fields would would be given a long, year-long break where the poor, those who owing a debt, the loans would be canceled. It was this beautiful anticipation of of freedom, and yet we have no indication that the year of Jubilee was ever observed, part and parcel of why God's people are led into exile. But Isaiah the prophet foresees the day when the Messiah will come and bring the year of jubilee. And it's happening right there in the middle of the synagogue. As the Spirit equips Jesus to bring the year of jubilee, the freedom, His Word, His touch brings freedom. We're taking note. We're watching closely Because we're learning that the Spirit's ministry to Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry to you. There's a sixth episode the Spirit's presence in the death of Jesus. If you were in a hurry, you could skate right by it. But the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 9, verse 14 says, Jesus Christ through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself unblemished to God. He's the faithful companion. The Spirit is the strong support. In the darkest hour in the life of Jesus, the Spirit is the most wonderful companion Comforting Him. Sustaining Him. Enabling Him to give Himself without reserve according to the Father's will. As He catches the glimpse of of the sins of the world placed upon Him at the altar, the Spirit ministers to Him and enables Him strengthens Him at the moment when if He were to turn, our salvation would be lost. But the Spirit was His constant faithful companion. And once again, we take note because the Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates the Spirit's ministry in you. There's a seventh episode, the Spirit's ministry and presence in the resurrection of Jesus. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Jesus Christ our Lord was descended from David according to the flesh. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. Notice the contrast. It's not a contrast between the two natures of Christ, His humanity on the one hand and His divinity on the other. That's not the contrast Paul has in mind. Rather... It's the contrast between the two stages of Christ's bodily existence. From Mary's womb to His burial in Joseph's tomb. He was the Son of God in weakness. But in His resurrection on Friday, Sunday, following Friday, in His resurrection on Easter Sunday, He is declared to be the Son of God in power by the Spirit. And so Paul reflects on the Spirit's ministry in Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Notice the focus. The Spirit brings about this radical transformation of the nature of Christ's bodily existence. His body becomes a glorious body by the Spirit not subject to death, the power of an indestructible life by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving Spirit. Which is to say, in the resurrection, Jesus comes into such full possession of the Spirit that Paul can say He became life-giving Spirit. The Spirit's ministry in Jesus anticipates His ministry to you. That's the story. But it pivots. In another significant episode, it's the Spirit's presence in the enthronement of Jesus. Because there we learn from Peter as he stands up to preach on the day of Pentecost, that the one who bore the Spirit is now the one who gives the Spirit. The bearer of the Spirit becomes the bestower of the Spirit. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And now we come full circle. Now we understand what Jesus is saying, in His farewell discourse, in John chapter 14, in John chapter 16, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Did you notice He's not speaking? about His appearance after the resurrection. He's not speaking about His return on the last day. Jesus is speaking of His coming in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So complete is the union between Jesus and the Spirit that the coming of the Spirit is none other than the coming of Jesus Himself. Not a confusion of persons, but a continuity of ministry. To have the Spirit is to have Jesus Himself. What the Spirit is present to do in Jesus, the Spirit is now present to do in you. So think about these applications. I want you to sit in the significance of what is happening here. First of all, as the Spirit brought about the miraculous birth of Jesus, so the Spirit causes you to be born again to a living hope. Secretly, sovereignly, He comes upon you, born not of blood nor of the will of man, but born of the Spirit. He comes to unite humanity with true holiness in you. That's His goal. Secondly, as the Spirit enabled Jesus to grow in wisdom, so the Spirit enables you to grow in wisdom. Wisdom from God, from the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. You know what? I think it was Thomas Boston, the great Puritan, who said... Those who thrive best meditate most. You take the tea bag and you put it in the hot water. If you take it out too quickly, nothing happens. But if you let the bag of tea dwell in the water richly and let it steep, you come under the influence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The truth begins to shine. The Spirit begins to open your eyes. We grow in wisdom by the Spirit as the Spirit of God works together with the Word of God to grow us up into the wisdom of God. Let's slow down in 2023. If you want to change by the ministry of the Spirit working together with His Word, you must slow down. Number three, as the Spirit prepared Jesus for ministry, so the Spirit prepares you for ministry. He comes to assure you of your sonship. He bears witness with your spirit that you really are loved by God. Imagine those great movies, the dramatic trial. Something in the case is in doubt. Maybe you lack the assurance of your salvation. It's in doubt and the case is in question. But then the star witness comes and takes the stand. Can you feel the drama? The chief witness bears witness with your spirit, working together with God's Word. You are God's beloved son. You are God's beloved daughter. And with you, God is well pleased. It's so essential for ministry, this assurance that the Spirit gives. And not only this assurance, but this this giving of gifts for serving, leading, speaking, all kinds of gifts and more. Fourthly, as the Spirit propelled Jesus into battle, so the Spirit, don't be surprised, propels you into the same battle. When Jesus urges His disciples to pray, Lord, send workers into the harvest, He's actually using the same word to describe the Spirit thrusting, propelling Jesus into battle, to advance the kingdom, to push back the powers, encouraging us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ who is battle-tested and found true. Fifthly, It's the Spirit empowered Jesus for ministry, so the Spirit empowers you for ministry. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says, but by my Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, I will make you an instrument in my hand. In your weakness, I will make you strong by my Spirit. I will work through your words. I will work through your deeds. I will bring through the church the year of Jubilee. Jesus working through the human instrumentality of His people, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sixth, as the Spirit sustained Jesus in His sufferings, so the Spirit sustains you in your sufferings. You like me hear stories that just absolutely break your heart. And you wonder, how on earth will this person take the next step? Or maybe you're that person, and maybe you like me have been overwhelmed by sorrow, who is going to sustain you in your darkest hour? The same Spirit who sustained Jesus in His darkest hour will be your faithful companion to support and console you. And finally, as Jesus raised, as the Spirit raised and transformed the body of Jesus. So the Spirit will raise and transform your body on the last day. Jesus is the first fruits of the harvest, that first fruits offering that represented the whole. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and your resurrection from the dead are two episodes of the same event. You can't separate them. You can distinguish them, but you can never separate them. And all by the Spirit, do you see that the Spirit is the most wonderful companion, not only for Jesus, but also for you? I have a spectacular front row seat getting to talk to you, many of you, to talk about your troubles, to talk about your struggles. And I tell you, I was telling the elders the other night about some very simple but very spectacular changes that I see in the life of the people in this congregation. It is so ordinary. You will not see it on the 11 o'clock news, but it is spectacular. A husband takes a simple movement toward his wife. A wife shows a simple respect for her husband. It's a Red Sea moment. This person is delivered from the old to the new, through the Son, by the Spirit. And it is absolutely spectacular. And my wish and prayer for you in 2023 is that you and I would come to know this most wonderful companion, the Spirit of Christ. Let's give thanks for Him. Lord Jesus, we thank You We thank You that You are our pathfinder, You the lead climber, the the founder and perfecter of our faith and salvation. And we thank You for the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. all the way until David's throne. And we thank You that You have not been stingy and kept the Spirit to Yourself, but You, having born the Spirit, have now bestowed the Spirit. And we pray that by Him You would would change us, transform us, Individually and collectively as a church, that we would be known as the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's conclude our worship.